leaders. I'm your coach, Adam. Here to have an honest talk about leadership, the obstacles you might face, and how to refine your leadership skills to help you become the leader I know you are. So let's grab a drink, sit back, relax, and have a chat. Welcome to the next episode. Today, we're going to be talking with Pamela Preer, a career coach with over 15 years of business experience in the financial and banking industry. With her unique power principles of love, inclusivity, integrity, and servant leadership, she has helped countless professionals take their leadership skills to the next level. Welcome to the podcast, Pamela. Thank you, Adam. I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to speak with you as well. I know you have a huge wealth of knowledge and information in regards with leadership and business management. Mm-hmm. And something I kind of wanted to kick off with is just talking about bus- just the whole management side of things, because you've done a lot of work in project management. So what is, first and foremost, what is project management? So people will know of a, of a project. A project is a temporary endeavor. It's going to have a definite start and a definite end as opposed to your typical operational management that is part of running a business, a project comes in with a special need. And my area of expertise over the past 15 years had in the financial services industry more or less had to do with an organization who wants to change their processing from one organization to another. So a project manager comes in and supports and facilitates that transfer or transition. And that's been my area. So what distinguishes projects from any other part of the operation of an organization is that temporary endeavor. We're going to have a definite start. We're going to have a definite end. So that's what's going to distinguish you know, a project within an organization. And for a project manager, It's the application of skills, talent, tools to facilitate that project or that process. Okay, so it's more of that temporary piece where it's not a permanent change. So is the position very much just a come in, you do the change, and then you leave the organization? It could be. Um, There are individuals, professionals that come in on a contract basis that supports the facilitation of that uh, work effort, that project. And then they move on to their next assignment, if you will. Uh, Many times if you're within an organization and have been assigned as a role on the project team, you come in support because you have that level of expertise. You'll hear the term SME, subject matter expert, as part of your role within the project team. I have and to then say, once- I absolutely love that. SME project <laughs> manager expert. <laughs> I thought you might like that term. <laughs> so that's where you're lending your expertise to the, the work effort itself, but you still have your day-to-day regular operation job. So once the project has concluded, you go back to your day job, if you will. Okay. So it's, more along lines of kind of a temporary leadership position where you have your regular job or position and then you get brought in because you have the expertise in helping kind of bring whatever they're trying to do to fruition. And then once that's done, you kind of go back to where your original position. Exactly. So how does one even get into project management? 
Great question. Many people may find themselves just falling into a project manager role because they have a level of expertise. For me, it started out within the quality assurance arena, QA is commonly known term, working on test scripts and executing the work within I was a part of a project team. And so we had an individual that had to to lead the team. And I just saw that as a very interesting career or opportunity because I wanted to do something different. And at the time, for me, it was important to have a career with a trajectory that could be sustained over a long period of time. And it was very interesting um, just to learn the leadership and management aspect of, of a project manager. That was the attraction for me. Um, you'll hear some others in, say, the engineering, software engineering or construction world because they were great at their job and they were voluntold to lead a project <laughs> team. But what's the great thing about project management, and you kind of alluded to that with my education, is is learning. It's not just the technical side of the execution of, of, of a project is also the, the leadership part of it that was the attraction and the draw. So I started my career, um, I probably well over 15 years now, I became a certified project manager in 2005. So Project Management Institute is a whole organization committed to the um, development and growth of project manager and the project management um, discipline. So I got connected with that and it's just been a learning and a career growth and um, a, a great career from a financial standpoint as well for, for me and my family. So I fell into that out of a, a QA role and just started my career in learning about both the technical and the art of project management since then. That's actually super interesting on that. Although I do want to kind of come back to something you had said there, which was saying that for some project managers, they kind of just get voluntold essentially. And for yourself, it was definitely, I want to be, this is what I want to do. I am volunteering as tribute on this one. Right. So can, if, as a project manager, if you're voluntold to do this, it can that work? It's just sound, from, I always have the feeling that when you're voluntold, you're essentially being, you're forcing somebody to do something like, I know you don't want to do this, but sucks to suck. You have to do it. And if you're a project manager, you're leading the group. Like, does that work? Right. So that's the unique aspect of project management that I am a proponent of. Get the education, learn how to be a uh, an efficient and effective project manager, because there is a, a an there's both the art and the science aspect of it. And that's where I, I chose to learn more about the project management industry. And as I mentioned before, the Project Management Institute is a great international organization that, again, is, is there to support the development and the growth of the project management profession. And it is within there that I chose to 
learned how to be a competent project manager. That's how I viewed myself because it was important to me to be good at what I do. That's part of my personality. I want to learn a lot about it. I want to apply it and I want to be effective as what I consider to be um, effective in that. So project management has a lot to do with those what we call like soft skills, if you will. You can teach and train someone how to utilize the project management software, uh, but a lot of the project management um, discipline has to do, in my opinion, with those those soft skills, skills, um, the leadership, uh, learning, knowing how to handle conflict, uh, negotiation skills, because you have to sometimes negotiate resources. If someone is doing their day-to-day job along with supporting the project, I may need to have this person a little bit longer on my project and I may have to talk to their their direct rapport or their their leadership on how to negotiate their availability. So those type of soft skills, if if you will, um, lend themselves very heavily to project management and help you become a good project manager. It's interesting that you say that. Uh, around soft skills specifically, because I, I tend to find in our society, we we emphasize more those hard skills, that firm mathematics, uh, how to operate computer programs, but those interpersonal compu- or people skills we don't talk about, which is hilarious because let's be honest, especially in a leadership position, uh, that's people. something... <laughs> we're people and you have to like be able to talk to people <laughs> like that's right. what you're doing you're leading people yes which are not robots <laughs> right exactly we're human resources we're not robots and <laughs> and and I've been in organizations where the get the work done not being concerned about the mental health of the people that are support that are supporting to work the work and it, it can lead to burnout. And that was something that I experienced just recently being in a project management world for several years. I got to a point where I was burned out. I was tired and you hear the term many, some project managers would say herding cats. <laughs> and cause you lead with influence more so than you lead with authority because you're not a, you don't many times have, input into your team's um, development or their um, annual or quarterly or whatever cadence reviews in most cases, but it was a place where I was just, I was tapped out and I needed a break. And it, and a lot of that had to do with the environment that I was in and the culture. My desire is to reach those leaders in those positions to help them understand that, again, like you said, we are not robots, we're human, and that is an important level of of respect that needs to be there when you are in a leadership position, because that's very important. Um, I don't want to be the reason why people go home and kick their cat. (laughs) So I want to develop as an individual, as a leader, to create an environment where, uh, and a culture where it's uh, people want to come to work. People want to work. People want to be a part of my team. 
Um, there are levels of responsibilities that, in my opinion, that leaders should be you know, very aware of. And uh, developing what I like to call power principles are um, can be a blueprint to help those leaders to you know rediscover what it is to be in leadership the reason why they're there and the importance of being and setting that example for the people that they work with well tell me a little bit more about power principles i haven't heard that term before so I, on my journey in leadership journey, I, you know, read several books and different things that are more aligned with, um, say, for example, you know, love and being in uh, cultures where, again, people want to, to come to work. And so some principles that I've learned over my career are, you know, the first thing that I, I talk about is um, having the spirit of, of humility. Right. You don't necessarily have to know everything or come across as that you do know everything. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to involve your your team on on decisions. You don't necessarily have to carry the burden of decision making on your own. So I've learned to humble myself in situations um, if I get to a point where I'm not quite sure what direction to go or what to do, I've learned to ask for help. People don't really ask <laughs> for help. I'm finding very interestingly that perhaps people feel as if they need to know all the answers because now I'm in this leadership position. People are looking at me and expecting me to know all the answers, but it's okay not to have all the answers and it's okay to ask. Um, interestingly, um, my mother as growing up, she would, I would ask a lot of questions and she would say, Pamela, you're asking me a thousand questions. Well, that's part of my charm. Now I'm using that natural talent <laughs> to make a living. I ask questions both in the coaching world and in my, and in other environments, um, the other prior principle that I've learned um, over the years is that for problem solving, you know, assess the situation, look at the situation from different angles to come up with variable, you know, solutions, and also involve my team in, in some of those questions. You want to be able to develop an environment where people want to work. You want to to uh, listen to the people that you're working with. Listening is a, a critical, critical skill and be open to that feedback that you're getting from people and actually implementing it because it fosters a, a, an environment of inclusivity. It fosters an environment of we're in this together. We're building whatever it is that we're building. We're doing it together. So those are a couple of the of the principles that uh, I've learned over the course of the years that I try to share with, with with others. Well, I love that your principles are really geared towards working with the people that you're working with. I tend to find so many leaders, they think they should know it all, they should be able to do it all, and they just refuse to lean on the people around them. And it reminds me of a... Uh, a book is called Rules for Rulers. Fascinating book. Uh, but in it, they discuss what is really, what do, what do rulers do? And they simply say, the ruler's job is to take the treasury and give it to the people that can do the jobs. 
Their job is not to build a road. It's not to build a military. It's not to do any of that. It's to find people that can do that and then have them do that on their behalf. Absolutely, because we are all brought here into this earth with gifts, natural gifts and talents. Let the people who know how to do it, do it. (laughs) You you don't have to, you unburden yourself with that expectation of having to know it, know it all. Because you, and um, there's also within the book from um, Good to Great, if I'm not mistaken, that talks about being on the right, in the right seat on the bus. And I learned that during my leadership uh, training. Because you can have a person who has really great skills in one area, but it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. You think that you have to, you know, try to make it work. And that in itself leads to frustration and also for the leader and for the individual who's trying to support in a role that may not be a good fit for them. So as a leader, recognizing that this person may have skill sets in one area, but not in this area that the organization may may need at the moment. And that's okay. You don't have to feel as if the individual can just totally be a, a no use to the organization. It just may not be a good fit. That role may not be a good fit for them at that time. And as a leader, you should be able to have the uh, foresight to find something different for that individual to do or perform. That way, they fulfill. They can be feel fulfilled in an area where it's very is more of a good fit for them, as opposed to being frustrated with trying to do something because they have an expectation. Oh, people want me to be able to do this. I really don't know how to do it. I'm not going to ask for help. I'm just going to sit and suffer in silence. <laughs> I've seen that far too often. <clears throat> And I, I love that idea. It's like, well, you might not be a good fit for the organization right now, but then kind of changing up that attitude. And I know for many leaders in their, in their mind, they go, well, if you're not a right fit, I should just fire you and hire mm-hmm. somebody on, mm-hmm. which seems very counterintuitive. Cause again, with leadership, people, you're working with people and people are not robots. You can't just get rid of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I guess you could in some aspects of it. But you're involved because you're impacting someone's livelihood. You're impacting their their way of of their means of living, their family in many respects. And you do have a responsibility, in my opinion, as a leader. And that's important that you know, principle to to share with people. You have a responsibility to, you know, have that um, um, sense of responsibility that. Hey, I can, I'm impacting people's livelihoods. And so that's where, you know, or I've seen organizations that have let people go. And I understand there are business needs, there are business reasons for situations where uh, resources and individuals, you know, you, you have to make some changes from a financial um, perspective. But those leaders that are ones to help others that may be displaced, help them either find different opportunities within the organization or externally. People remember those people more so than anything. They may be experiencing a uncomfortable or a devastating situation, but to have someone help them get to a next, a good place or the next opportunity for them, those individuals are very well, well loved. It's the right thing to do. 
it is the right thing to do. And then for those leaders that actually would like to sit down and look at their employees and say, you know what, you might not be the right fit. Mm-hmm. How would they find the right fit for their organization? Like, what do you do? I think as a leader, it's good to network internally because in a leadership position, you can have view on other areas within the organization. You know, it's an important part of networking. And that was something I didn't really fall into or understand the importance of. But, you know, sometimes the saying goes, it's not, you know, it's who you know. So as a leader, if I know that someone over in another operation area, if I'm speaking with their that leader and I'm learning a little bit more about what they're going through, some gaps that they may be experiencing, I may know of someone who could be able to, to fill that gap for them. And you have a resource who's already familiar with the organization, with the culture, but recognizing that, hey, I'm, I am privy to this information and you make a connection, right? So those are the types of um, um, ways that leaders can help facilitate that process or even externally being connected with external organizations and, and networking. You know, you see many times on social media, someone may say, hey, guys, I know this is an opening. It's not a good fit for me. Does anyone know anybody? So people are really leveraging social media and a lot um, in that respect these days. It's a great tool to be able to have that available for people. So I'm hearing a lot of building out that network, not only within your organization, but externally, and then using that network to kind of help individuals that aren't quite the right fit within Mm -hmm. your organization Mm-hmm. move on to another section of the organization or somewhere else. Right. And again, that's part of, and as a leader building that network. And for you, you come across as, as someone who wants to help and serve. And that's uh, what a leader, another leadership principles that I've come across is you heard the term servant leadership perhaps. And you know, when you have the mindset of coming to an organization to be able to serve, you know, you of course, you're responsible for objectives and what the organization needs. But there's that human aspect of it as well that you bring to um, a servant um, approach to an organization. And just for those that aren't aware of what servant leadership means, what does it mean? Um, there's a a specific definition of of servant leadership, but essentially is when you approach an organization to apply, um, I like to say, uh, principles of of service is not so much about what it is, what's in it for me, but how I can serve, help, um, support those others that are in my organization or people that are around me. So it's that aspect of just kind of serving and helping them. And then how does that differ from the other styles of leadership? Because I know there's like a million different styles out there. (laughs) Um, For me, I feel servant leadership is coming from the heart and being in a, because you're right, there's that power uh, leadership approach, militaristic that has been in the world for a long time, but coming across from a servant leadership space where it's not always about about you taking orders, but it's listening, it's being open to different ideas, it's being um, able to provide uh, feedback in a space where 
I'm not coming, approaching it from a um, carrot and stick situation. It's more of a um, collaborative, let's work, uh, let's work together, um, humility, um, supportive, that type of a, a mindset and approach that you can bring to a leadership position. Well, I love that is that collaborative piece. It kind of reminds me of the principles. The wis- there's wisdom in the group. And it's the idea yeah. that, you know, you're smart, you're great and all that fun jazz, sure. But if you get a room full of individuals together and you can ask each and every single one of them about the topic or issue and they can all come up with a solution by getting a group consensus and finding kind of that middle road between the pros and cons of it, everyone's suggestions, you will find the best suggestion which would be far superior than a course of action that you would have decided on your own. Absolutely. And that's where I mentioned, you know, unburdening the leaders thinking that they have to come up with all the solutions and answer themselves. And you can always learn something from somebody else. Mm-hmm. You don't know it all and you don't have to know it all. And I, I, I again, I, really appreciate that you're emphasizing that you don't have to know it all. And so for those that are kind of listening, how do you, how do you move away from that? I know everything to, uh, you know, I don't know everything and I'm going to, I'm going to be leaning on the people around me to help me fill in those gaps of knowledge. Sometimes they may come in a situation where, um, it can be a rock bottom situation. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't happen that way when someone just kind of, you know, recognizes that my my approach is not getting me the, the results. Sometimes it has to do with someone externally bringing it to someone's attention. And for me, it was struck with the desire of want to, wanting to learn and wanting to grow. Another aspect of servant leadership is having that self-awareness. I'm looking, you know, starting with the person in the mirror. I am looking at what can I do to help soften my heart, help grow, help um, lead me into a space where I can become a better me. And that started my journey on into uh, servant leadership. It was part of of a a program at my former university. And I would say if I had that type of of program many years ago, I would have taken that that track a long time ago, but it didn't exist at that time. And I got in on the second uh, cohort within um, that happened about. So that's where it was for me. It's it's about that self-awareness. Everyone doesn't get to that point, but for me, it was to recognize that either what I'm doing in, is, is not working or it's not coming about positive results or, you know, my team isn't really growing or my team doesn't, you know, I, I, there's a lot of attrition, you know, what is it that's going on? Sometimes, you know, you get to a place where in, in that self-awareness that you recognize that there's some, there needs to be a change. And fortunately, there's more material that are coming about around servant leadership, how to, um, it, it was, it's an idea, a concept that was many years ago. Um, hopefully things hadn't changed. I, it, it, 
I embodied that and I welcomed that. And I've used that as part of my my journey um, to this day and probably will. You know, um, there are principles that just don't change. Principles are principles, no matter you know what it is. They're universal and they when applied can bring about positive results. And so for me, that was the start of, you know, just that self-awareness. And hopefully someone listening to this can, you know, would think, you know, reflective on their experience, on their journey, on those that are, you know, that are, that they are leading, that perhaps there's a, you know, there's a lot of materials that are out there to kind of start that journey and kind of change that heart. Well, I think you hit on something very important, especially in this information age. There's material for everything on the web. One could make a really good argument that you actually don't need to go to school to learn anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so because we're so inundated with information, especially when it comes to leadership, because leadership tends to be very informal. Mm-hmm. It's very rare you'll see a post-secondary offer strictly a leadership course. Generally speaking, they're, let's go learn about business. And we'll have one one class. Embedded. Mm-hmm. It's very much embedded, which is weird because leadership, I would argue, is definitely a vocation. It is one hundred percent a vocation uh, mm-hmm. that requires a lifelong of le- or lifelong learning. Absolutely. And so, how do you vet just the information out there for leadership? How do you vet uh, schools and courses to make sure that you're getting actually good information? Uh, Well, for me, it it came about with the uh, organization, someone, uh, a a professor brought this principle based on one of the leaders in my hometown. They actually had a a book, The Journey of Servant Leadership. And that, if I'm remembering the uh, events properly, um, brought that concept to the university and created a program around it, the Master of Science in Organizational Leadership. I think it's, it's, it's developed a lot more because I, I received that back in 2013. So I think it's, it's grown even more and it's still you know part of the program. And I've seen a couple of other universities that have um, more of a uh, organizational leadership and development. So there are programs that are out there, um, industrial organization um, and psychology is another type of program that lean on the principles in a sense on, on serving and how to um, develop that uh those type of leadership principles and learning about organization is about the human aspect, not human resource management, which is can be a little something a little different, but um, programs such as industrial and organization psychology are a good place to start universities or post-secondary places that have, you know, emphasis on organization leadership and development. But as you mentioned, there's a, a, um, such a large volume, a plethora of information out there on um, within the world that you can access. But those are, are key phrases people can start in: is servant leadership, organization leadership and development, um, self awareness in in leadership, something along those lines to start that that journey. And as you said before, it's a lifelong journey. I recognize within myself from 
previous, you know, previous assessments, strength finders that I'm a learner. And those are, you know, those types of assessments are good to take. So I would also encourage people to um, to lean into those um, Clifton Strengths um, assessments that help you to see the type of person that you are. Right. And then, you know, from there, kind of start that journey. Well, and I love that you said that you're a learner, because that's something that all leaders, especially really good leaders, have that just desire to learn and just Mm -hmm. know more and get better at their craft. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And that's, again, a lifelong journey. And if I can share the things that I've learned over my career and journey to help somebody else along those lines, then I'm happy to do so. I think that's going to be the next phase of my journey. At some point, you're going to be able to have to, to give back right? You, you, the wisdom that you gain that you can share with others, especially, especially the ones that are starting on their leadership journey, it can make a big difference in their career. They can start out early, you know, they get ahead of the game uh, more so uh, earlier in life than, than you did. But that's what we're supposed to do. When you gain that wisdom, go back and share it and help somebody else. Well, it's to help them overcome those bumps and hurdles that you had to struggle and strive to get over to overcome. And you go look at them and you say, you know, yeah, that's a giant pothole, but Hey, there's a bridge just over there. You can just walk across that so easy. Absolutely. We are overcomers by our testimonies of how we help other people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And so what would you say to somebody that's just like getting into leadership for the first time? They, they're either thinking about it or they're kind of moving in that direction going, you know what, this is something I want to do with my life. Like what, what advice would you give them? I would encourage them to, to learn about what it looks like to be a good leader. Determine what type of leader do you want to be? How would you like to serve um, in at a leadership position, what do you want to get out of it? I think it uh, does come back to that self-awareness. Um, again, try those different assessments at Clifton Strengths with a, it was a really good uh, assessment. Check on assessment tools to learn about who you are as an individual and where did you want to start to learn? Um, read those leadership type books. And uh, audio, there is, there's ways now that you can get the information, you know, while you're doing other things. Podcasts are another great tool, just like we're doing right here today. Hopefully something that was said today will spark, spark an interest and help somebody else on their journey. So really getting into that podcast or those resources and information sphere of things, but working on that self-awareness, like why do you want to become a leader? Right. What's in it for you? Absolutely, for sure. And if you're all also able to do, find a mentor. Find someone that is uh, where you want to be, where you want to go, someone that you admire, uh, either follow them on social media or hopefully someone in your organization that you can connect to. It doesn't have to be a formal type of invitation, but someone that you would like to to watch, watch them in meetings and see how they respond or or, or behave in situations because someone is always watching you and there's always someone who's watching you that have the potential to bless you. So if there's an individual that you admire, uh, maybe a time or two, ask them how they approach a, a question. People will be, you know, flattered that you are uh, interested in their behavior because 
you're able to pass down something and you have able to help that next person um, on, on their journey. Well, it goes back to that idea that just ask for help. Just like, ask for help. Get out of your own head thinking you know Humble it all. Yourself. Exactly. Ask for help and hang in there because it can, sometimes it can be challenging, but if you humble yourself, ask for help and hang in there, you'll get the job done. Easy. You make it sound so easy. about <laughs> <laughs> And so we talked a little bit about mentorship, but I know that you're also moving or you've moved into more of the career coaching space. What's the difference really between a mentor and a coach? So a mentor is someone who's been there, done that, essentially. Let me show you and help you on, you know, the things that I've worked on, worked through. And, and that's what a, a mentor um, would be for you. Now, a coach is is different in that a coach, you're going to be um, coaches. We, under, we accept that the individual has the answers already within them. But the coach serves as a guide where taking you from where you are now to your future. Coaching is future focused. But as a coach, I'm not giving you the answers. I am guiding you through you know, specific questions um, to help you discover or rediscover answers that are already within you. We, I, I honestly believe that, you know, we have people say, well, I'll keep it in the back of my mind. Well, sometimes you, a coach will help you bring those ideas and concepts and, and thoughts from the back of your mind to the front where you can provide, you know, and you can really act on some things to help lead you forward in the things and the desires that you want to do and be. So coaching is more along the lines of leading you to understand what you already know and help guiding you forward. And that mentor is just been there, done that. Let me teach you what I learned over my journey. Exactly. And so I know you have a very large background in leadership and project management. How do you bring that into just career coaching and helping out your clientele? That's a great question because in the environment that I'm in right now, um, I am responsible for, for leading the team in this particular type of, um, of of project. I am learning to marry the two um, concepts together in that in coaching is very important to listen. You listen at different levels. You listen for the things that are not said. You listen for the words between the words. And in a project management profession, while we are expected to track certain, you know, track all of your activities, not so much just as a checklist, check in the box, but realizing that the individuals that I'm working with, we're human. And when I am able to step back and have a coaching posture in that I'm listening to conversations that are are happening in meetings because we meet a lot in in project management world. But taking the time to step back, especially when I have an opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation and to ask those questions that can help lead to the individual having maybe aha moment or making it more of a rich conversation as opposed to a an accusatory and attack always on the defense but slowing down a conversation 
talking about what is actually at hand and coming up with solutions to help get that response or get to the answer, but also maintaining that person's dignity, integrity, without them feeling as if they have to be on the defense all the, you know, in a conversation, because that can happen. So for example, I found myself in a conversation with someone where I I recognized that I was just looking for the answer, looking for the response. And because of other activities I've been involved in, like our book club, as an example, and the people that I'm surrounding myself with, you know, iron sharpens iron, I remember to just slow down listen to that individual, offer words of encouragement, and it softened the tone of our communication. I thought that was just a great breakthrough. And it was just a reminder for me, even, and I believe that my coaching skills that I've gained over the course of the past couple of years, or when I, when I decided to dive back into coaching, are making me a better leader because I'm slowing down, I'm listening, I'm remembering to encourage the people that I'm working with. Saying thank you sometimes can be huge in certain arenas. Just saying thank you for your support. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for allowing me to, you know, to thank you for listening to me. I appreciate being, being appreciated in the environment that I'm in because you'll be surprised even at the leadership level, people don't necessarily say thank you or tell someone that they are appreciated and asking them what's keeping you up at night? What are your concerns? So really being able to coach up because people are people. And, you know, you reckon sometimes you recognize when even leaders, they have things that they're going through. And a lot of times those, those leaders don't have either peers or anyone else to really talk to about what they really are experiencing and going through. So as a coach who desires to, you know, support leaders in a sense, um, taking the time to slow down and asking them questions, asking them how they're doing or how they see things that are are happening or what I can do to help support them. Um, I think it helps to take the pressure off because again, a lot of times those leaders at the, you know, senior and executive level don't have people that they can talk to, to have us have a safe space to be able to talk about the things that they're going through. And I want to fill that gap for them and serve them in that way. Well, it kind of brings back to that soft skills. Because again, as you said, people are people. And there's a whole set of soft skills that we always, we as leaders need to develop, but especially that a coach can bring to the table to help aspiring leaders or people that are in higher up in the organization just go to that next level. Right. And absolutely. one thing, and I absolutely love that you said that, you know, just listen to people, just listen to people and say, thank you. And just really be appreciative of what they do, because I feel in especially our organizational cultures these days, we don't thank each other. It's very bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I just thought of uh, there's a story in the Bible that, you know, Jesus helped so many um, people and I can't remember exactly where it was, but only one came back and said, thank you. 
just that attitude of gratitude. It, you think that it does exist, but it really doesn't. Just like you said, um, just to say thank you. Just sit down and say thank you. Mm-hmm. Although I have found that sometimes people say thank you, but they miss that listening piece. Uh, and what I mean by that is people feel appreciated in very different ways. Mm-hmm. I've always found this very interesting. And for example, words of affirmation, which are just like, thank you so much for doing your job and whatnot, mm-hmm. works for some people, for, but for a lot of people, it doesn't. And so there's always that listening portion or piece that's like, well, how do you feel feel appreciated within an organization that I definitely get the sense that many people just miss? Yeah. And I know there's the book, um, the five love languages, right? How people feel as if they are, you know, feel that they're loved or, or listened to words of affirmation, service, et cetera. And that's where, you know, you're right. It comes to the listening um, that the people that you are engaged in where you can, you know, pick up on those things where you know that this people, this person or individual may feel appreciative, uh, appreciated in this manner. And I've also experienced where organizations will really ask, how do you like to be appreciated? How do you like to show that you're, you know, when people say thank you? So uh, there can be flavors of that in organizations. It's sometimes, a lot of times it's not always there, but it, but it could be. But that's where as a coach, you, you kind of bring that into, into, your, um, into your world. Mm-hmm. And you kind of sit down and you say, you know what? Let's talk about this and let's listen. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of coming to the end of our time together. If and you, if somebody wanted to reach out and find out more about what you're doing or kind of in, start inquiring about uh, your coaching services, how would they go about doing that? Sure. So I am I have an organization, a company that I'm starting, Royal Blue Pathways. <laughs> and you can reach me at Coach Pam at royalbluepathways.com. And I'll be able to share that with you. If someone is interested in having a a complimentary discovery session with me, a consultation, they're able to reach me um, in that way. And yeah, I'd be happy to uh, set up some time and get to know one another and help you discover the leader in you. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And I hope to hear back from you uh, or chit chat with you and bring you back in a future date. Thank you, Adam. I've enjoyed our time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give it a like and share it with a friend. And if you're ready to take the next leap and improve your leadership skills, head over to www.seatingthelead.com and book your free coaching session today. Mm-hmm.